what is going on, everybody? We're back. This is really happening. Horror Zone 607 is back. We are in the studio for the first time in two months. And it is good to be here. And we have got a ton of horror to talk about in our first show back in quite a while here. I'm your host, Spooky Mike. And I I just, this is surreal. I, I can't believe I'm here and I'm sitting next to somebody who's better than you and you know it. He's rich. That's damn right. And if I was facing CM Punk... As of today, when we're recording this, he would definitely leave that that dog collar match the same way Roddy Piper left his legendary dog collar match with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and that's with a busted eardrum, You're wrong. brother. It's PG Punk. Ah, PG Punk. P- PG Punk. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Welcome back. How about how about what was it? Uh, what, what was it? What did he, what did he call him the, originally? The meth smoking meth punk. Or something oh yeah. Like that? Oh my God. MJF has just been killer on the mic. Of course, six oh seven TWS anywhere you get great wrestling podcasts, and of course, <laughs> live each and every Monday night at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch TV slash six oh seven podcast. There is a little cheap plug, but I've been very good, Mike. How's everything been going uh, with you uh, in your sabbatical? Lonely, <laughs> I've been so lonely. Well, you got to spend some time with the uh, mattress guy the other day. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two of them. Did you did you make them like 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 try to get them to eat lunch and stuff with you? And be like, hey, let's just have you guys just stick around hey, and hang out and talk. I haven't to been me. around people for a while. <laughs> you sure you have to go? Um, but uh, I will say uh, I, I purchased it from a company. I'm not going to say their name because they don't pay us. Uh, it rhymes with with Faymore and Lanigan. And uh, there was a very nice young lady that actually helped me there after wandering around the store for an hour aimlessly and nobody coming to me. So I was, I was grateful that she helped me out. Um, but I got a new mattress. It was a big deal. This is this is the the biggest thing that's happened to me since the couch incident. Ooh. So that's crazy. Which I also got from Laymore and in, in Brannigan. I mean, we already know where you got it from. You yeah. didn't get it from IKEA, unfortunately. That's no, all I know. No, I did not. And I didn't order it in the mail either. If you got it from IKEA. It would have been a whole nother story. They would have came right over and helped you and even given you some of them Swedish meatballs. Right. So all this small talk is great. We got a huge show here. Now, <laughs> we are going to be wrapping up Stabathon <laughs> this week <laughs> because uh, when we last left you off, we were we were doing the Scream movies. And I know Rich went to see the new Scream movie in theaters opening weekend. I did not, but I did actually get to see it towards the end of its run. I had a nice private viewing of that movie uh, until I believe some homeless guy came in and just kind of used it as a bathroom in the final act. Uh, but I mostly had a private viewing of the movie. Uh, I got a lot to say about that. I've since it's come out on digital and I've watched it again. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of notes for this one. And as you know, when I write down notes, I got a lot to say. So there's a lot to talk about. We were actually going to do a double review this week uh, along with the new Texas Chainsaw movie, but we we're going to move that back to next week. Uh, and we're going to talk about that movie then. But uh, we got a ton of news, and uh, let's get it started. Yeah, let's might as well jump right in and get you started with the Horror Zone Movie News. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. There you go. We'll, we'll amp it up a little bit of hip-hop from Mace today. Because we're back. We're happy. We're excited. This is a good day. And happy Sunday. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Well, for these people listening, if you're listening on Patreon, you get the Sunday night. Yeah. If you're listening, so patreon.com slash 8122productions. For a little $1 a month, they get a ton of extra bonus content. Shameless plug again. Or if you're everywhere else, you're hearing this Monday. Monday, Monday. Wow. 
I feel a little rusty doing this. It's been so long. Uh, I, I feel do like it every it's week. It's been like five years <laughs> since I've done this. You know, I've been doing two podcasts a week for as long as I can remember. Almost four full years now coming up here in April. Sometimes three podcasts. And you avoided the cron. I did. Uh, I've also been out in public quite a bit, so that's kind yeah. of interesting. I've been in big venues. I've been everywhere, so uh, knock you really on. You do have a good immune system. Knock on wood. Also, I also got to say, I'm like Barry Sanders, baby. I'm shaking and baking. With that being said, I'm going to probably come down with it next week. You're the Cal Ripken of uh, podcasting here. Pretty much. You are the Iron Man. Well, let's start with talking about the new Scream. And uh, we're going to talk about the box office here first. So... My original notes were that it made a lot of money in its opening weekend and was number one at the box office and knocked off Spider-Man. Uh, but my notes had to be uh, updated because it's been so long since we've been here. So we're going to talk about what it's done as a whole here. So Scream made $79.8 million domestically and a grand total of $138.2 million at the worldwide box office. No surprises there. I was uh, the nostalgia factor plus a good horror movie. Word of mouth kept it through and kept it on the charts because obviously we keep track of that over at Three Fat Nerds every week with our box office. It kept it actually on the charts for a few weeks uh, because, you know, as more people saw it, more people wanted to see it. And of course, opening, they did a great opening, of course, dethroning Spider-Man. And then mm-hmm. I think they had the, the largest opening for a horror movie since... The pandemic since started. the pandemic started, right? Uh, Can you not, imagine not, what this would have done if everybody was still going and there was no pandemic? I think this would have made 250 300 million dollars. Could have, it could have, and I, I will say this is it's only seconded by Quiet Place 2 as far as overall box office in the pandemic, right? So, and I mean, but not by a giant margin either, right? By a very that made over 200, margin. I think. But. Well, yeah, but I mean, domestically, oh, it only yeah, made yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. over 100, and this made almost 100, so right, it was a very close domestically to uh, Quiet Place 2, which speaks volumes about the Scream franchise. And of course, my original assessment, which you'll hear when we do the review later, still stands that it is pretty much the best franchise in horror. I mean, it might not be everybody's favorite, but we can all agree. It doesn't even even probably the what you consider the worst movie in the in the in the line is still better than the worst movies in any other major horror movie franchise. And I I, I think that's why people weren't gun shy about seeing this film. Right. And, you know, in between Scream 3 and Scream 4, it was like a decade. And, you know, they kind of wrote that off. It, it, It did so poorly at the box office. Scream 4 did that. They pretty much wrote it off. They turned it into a series on MTV of all places. And, you know, it just didn't do well. So for comparisons purposes here, this is this came out a little over 10 years after Scream 4. Scream 4 made a grand total of $97.1 million at the worldwide box office, and it only made $38 million here in the States. So in Scream's opening weekend, it almost passed, almost caught and passed the entire domestic box office of Scream 4. I think Scream is back, and in a big way. Yeah, well, here's the, the marketing was really good for it. I feel like the United States fell off on Scream 4, but the world didn't, because, I mean, the numbers only separated by about $40 million as far as the overall total uh, of the but two during movies. a pandemic? Right, right. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just I'm just pointing out the fact that the only the difference there, it seems to be that, that worldwide they were still interested in Scream, yeah. whereas it looked like uh, in 2011, the United States was not uh, on board. And, and it is what yep. it is. But I personally enjoyed Scream 4, as we all know, for what it was. I understood it was a different story, but I liked it for what it was. And uh, we'll find out later, unless you've already heard the Three Fat Nerds podcast where we reviewed it way back when. But we'll mm-hmm. find out later. Maybe even my take has changed a little bit because you never know over time. Right. But I, I can tell you I still enjoyed, as, as the spoiler free, I still enjoyed uh, Scream 2022. So. Well, I'm glad because the next piece of news we have is Paramount sort of Scream 6. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't they? It made money in the pandemic. It'll make money outside of the pandemic. 
as long as they're keeping it, it looks like they're keeping the entire writing slash directing staff together. They are radio silence. Going to be back to write and direct. And uh, guess what? They, they, Kevin Williamson, I uh, believe, is going to be producing uh, again. You know what? I'm a fan of it. Uh, these guys, uh, uh, once again, I, I want to save stuff for the review. So, you know, we'll talk about it in more depth. But I'm a fan of what they've done. I was a fan of, of course, Ready or Not and uh, in, in, a, in other movies that they've done. But uh, Ready or Not was what made me know that they could do a Scream film because it's kind of, I want to say the same because they're not the same. But it's kind of that world of tongue-in-cheekness that you have to be able to get and master while still doing something serious it, because, you know, and that's where they came into Scream. And I, I, I really want to see where they take this because I think that they have an interesting take that could really take us into a whole new generation of Scream movies. Yeah. And that's basically, and again, we'll get into that, but yeah, that's basically what Scream was. That was my kind of spoiler-free of what we're going to talk about later. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't want to go too far in, but yeah, I, I definitely think that's good news. And I, I, for one, will be waiting for Scream 6, or is it going to be Scream 2? Maybe it's going to be Scream gonna, again. Scream again. Scream more. Scream dose, the electric boogaloo, I don't know. <laughs> scream harder. I don't know what they're going to call it now that they've called the fifth movie in the franchise, Scream 2022. We'll, ha we'll all have to wait and find out. Oh, you know, Ghostface versus Lake Placid. It's going to be Scream Kills and the Scream Ends. Ugh, I hope they don't do that. <laughs> I, I kind of see, like, they, they may have been onto something with Scream not being called Scream 5 in terms of the amount of money that they made. You know, that was one of their tactics with this is, you know, Scream 4 didn't do good. People see Scream 5, they're going to think, oh, fifth movie in a, in a, in a series, it's not going to be good. Let's just call it Scream. Like, I don't we'll ruin, get those new fans. I don't want to ruin my take. but So let's just say, I'm going to get to the, the, the why I'm now all right with Scream 2022 during the review because it's part of what I'm going to talk about for the movie. Sweet. So. Well, then let's move on and talk about some other things because we said that it, uh, it knocked off Spider-Man No Way Home. And we got something that kind of segues into that a little bit here because... John Watts, who directed Spider-Man No Way Home, has been announced as the director of the next and brand new Final Destination movie. So is this going to be a requel? Because uh, <laughs> Now me, we're going to use that word all the time. I, I think requel is a great word, by the way. Thank yeah. you, Scream. Uh, but is this going to be a requel or, you know, because think about it. We didn't all think that these movies were, they were all tied in loosely, but then we find out they were so much further tied in with that last one. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm just confused. And, and mind you, I love the deaths and final destination. As long as they keep those, I'm going to be excited for the movie. But at the same time, it's one of those, do we really need another? Yeah. I don't know what more they could really do. I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios you could think of. You know, where this kind of, a, you know, where you can put I it mean, into that. I mean, they but. pulled someone's intestines out of their asshole in one of these movies. I mean, I mean, where do we go from there? Where? Yeah. Where? Oh, where? Oh, where do we go from there? It's a good point. Just saying. Maybe out of their mouth this time. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> you should have queued up uh, Lex there. Good so. old sexy Lexi. I, I actually <laughs> forgot which, which table I put it on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can boo the professor at some point. There it is. There it is. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be happening. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know that we really need another one, but, you know, whatever. It is what it It'll is. I mean, I, I, I'm happy the director is a good director. Obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home is a great movie. And uh, we'll see. And like I said, I'll go see it because I'm there for the death. So hopefully they, just, they keep those rolling. Uh, so we've got to talk about Jason Blum a little bit here for a second because he recently did a Q&A on Twitter. And, of course, somebody had to ask him about Happy Death Day 3. And he did respond to that. And he said, quote, something is stirring. I will say that. I have a plan. I'm not saying goodbye to Happy Death Day. I'll say it like that. End quote. Well, that's being consistent with what he's been since 
the last movie. <laughs> if you think about it, they've he's been like, oh, we're putting it, you know, it's not, I won't say back burner, but right now we're done there, but I'm not saying we won't go back to it. This is a little more of a positive on that instead of just being like, oh, I'm not saying never say never. Right. This is more like, oh, you know, we got some ideas floating around. So it sounds like they might be trying to, uh, to reload there. Uh, but you know, because the the second one made what about half of what the first one did, and they were disappointed. Still made a, a lot of money, but because it made less, I think they're just kind of taking a break. You know, instead of just dishing them out every year or every two years, mm. I think that's what this more was. I think we were always going to get another one. Freaky was really good. Um, that one was affected by the pandemic, obviously, but it was good. Um, you know, it was kind of you know same director, kind of had the same kind of vibe to it. Not in the same world, although they kind of claimed that they were at the time. You know, maybe there will be a crossover at some point with that. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, I, I'm excited to hear this because I'm a big fan of those two movies. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. Right Jessica now, Roth was so good. Right now, Blumhouse has got their hands full with the gearing up for the Firestarter movie they're putting out. Yeah. Uh, so, and they, the, the first trailers for that are out. Looks uh, interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually not completely against it, although they think they missed an opportunity in the trailer to play Prodigy's Firestarter. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, I, I, I mean, I'll go see it. But also, yeah. I also have a real unlimited pass, so that helps out a lot. But uh, yeah, uh, so I, I would be happy to go back to the world of Happy Death Day. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're going to get it. So uh, next, we're going to talk about Disney, because I know you like to talk about the mouse. Hey, nothing scarier than Mickey Mouse, huh? So uh, Disney and the Thomas Brothers have settled and resolved their dispute over the Predator series. Woo! Now we get uh, to use Predator. Now we're going to get to see uh, Predator Eight. Predator takes Manhattan. Well, we are getting the. Uh, think, we, we we're getting that? we're getting Prey. That is still slated yeah. to come out, so now that's not going to be pushed back because there was a fear that Prey could get pushed back from its uh, early late spring, early summer release. Uh, which I'm excited for, which would be coming to Hulu. Yes. Uh, so I, I can't wait for that to come out. That's going to be something we're going to cover on here. It looks amazing, by the way. Uh, I'm wondering if the I wonder if they tried if Disney originally tried to sneak that by them. That's why they named it Prey instead of Predator. Uh, but at the same point in juncture, they weren't really in their in the original teaser trailers and stuff. They weren't really what do you call it? They weren't trying to hide that it was a Predator movie. Right. So that there was a, some talk that this lawsuit, if it went any further, could actually affect the release of that movie, which is already shot. And of course, there is talks of a Predator series as well, including possibly another movie, depending upon how well Prey does, which, from what I've seen, the brief little bit we've seen in the teaser... And reading about it, I'm 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 uh, excited as a Predator fan for for yeah, Prey. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them cha- change the name of it to Predator Prey. I wouldn't be surprised maybe. at this point now that this has been well, settled. You, but you know what though, I don't know. Maybe just I like this. a fresh take on it. I like the fact of calling it Prey, and people are going to know. I'm assuming they'll gear up because it's going to be a big event on Hulu, and so I'm assuming they'll gear up in the uh, advertisements so people will know it's a Predator film. Yeah, which. Uh, the the horror fans and fans of the series of the Predator series already fucking know, uh, but I would like to see more casuals get involved in because it's on Hulu and a lot of people have that package due to uh, having Disney Plus. Uh, I think it's going to get a lot of views, and I'm excited for. It. I think this is a great take. Uh, uh, it's a fresh take on the Predator. Very fresh. Very very. The first time the Predator comes to the United States, the first time actually Earth period and doing well, battle. Well, they, that's what they're in alluding the timeline, to. Yeah. Well, yes, they're they're <laughs> yes. We're not. Well, we're getting rid of the old timeline. I'm assuming. Uh, let's, let's not talk about the other. Uh... And we're in badass in a badass female warrior. So yeah. I, I I can't wait. Like honestly, this one looks like something out of a video game. Yes, it does, and it look. But it, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. 
I, I think it will be. It looked so far what we've seen of it, it looks good. So I hope that that's uh, what it is. And the story sounds amazing. So let's hope to it. And I'm glad that we can go forward now with more Predator licensing, including the TV series that they were talking about putting out and everything else. So I could segue this into something else that Hulu is going to be having some major, major news, but I'm going to save that to the end. Okay. We're going to come like back that. to like because that that's the newest news. We're going to kind of go in, in order here. And uh, we've got blockbuster news if you hadn't seen it or heard about it. And that's going to be at the very end of the news section here. But uh, let's go back to what we have here so far. Um, Halloween ends. Currently filming. Almost done filming. Uh, no surprise there. They were, you know, that's where they're at. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is done with her her scenes. We talked about this on Patreon. Yeah, we'll we'll briefly mention. There's a lot of uh, internet buzz saying that oh, because she's shot so quick, she's done. And I'm going to tell you no. Uh, she might die in the movie, but I don't know if she's going to die first thing in the movie. The reason why she's probably done with her scenes is because uh, the way Hollywood works, whenever you have a major star like a Jamie Lee Curtis, who if you're looking at their list of people that are in the movie, she's definitely the highest paid. You usually try to get them in and out. So when you sign on people, for, they contract them to how long it's going to be, usually either by hours or by days. And that's how long you have that star to shoot. And so what they like to do, and they did this forever with the Halloween movies with Donald Pleasance. Every movie that Donald Pleasance was in back in the day, they would do his shooting in like the first 10 days. Yeah. And then the rest of the shoot was without him. Right. Because they wanted to make sure they got his shots, that's his shots. And realize. These people yeah. on social media think that, oh, yeah, I got all the big scoops. She wasn't there very long, so she's going to get killed in the first scene. Not how it works. So uh, here's the reason why you want to also get them out as quick as possible. A, if you go over, you have to pay them what is akin to overtime in Hollywood. Right. So they get their rate plus something. Right, right. And here's the other problem. If you go over, then you have to, if let's say you need to go back for a reshoot. Right. You might have to pay them a lot more money. We're looking at you uh, for the, the Snyder cut of Justice League. The reason why that was that budget was bloated for HBO is because all those actors were out of time and everything for shooting. So they literally had to repay them like it was a fucking new movie. Yeah. So they got whatever rate they got. So the that's what happens here. You want to make sure you get your star in and out. You want to make sure all their scenes are shot. And you want to make sure that, like, let's say you contracted them for 15 days. You want to make sure you get their stuff done in, like, 10 so you have five days for reshoots right? just in case you need it. And even if you don't, that's okay. They still get the same rate even though they didn't work 15 days. But you know what? It's peace of mind for you because even what a reshoot is isn't, isn't necessarily always just coming in and reshooting something. It could be voiceover. It could yeah. be whatever. But you need to make sure that you have the availability for that star and you're not going over your budget because budgets are a big deal. I mean, unless you're a, unless you're like right now and you're a Marvel movie where you're making all the monies, then you don't give a shit about the budget. But even them, I bet you they do. But that's why Jamie Lee Curtis's stuff is already shot. They probably shot all of her stuff in the however many days they had her, and then they'll piece together the rest of the movie. And by the way, newsflash for the internet also, I want to throw it out there. If uh, Some of you guys are obviously smart, and you know that this isn't the way. But uh, for anybody who doesn't know, they don't shoot movies in chronological order. Right. They shoot them all over the place. Differently. Fit them together so, and then they, they, they edit them together. So uh, just so you know, and I know a lot of people know that and somebody's at home's like, come on, Rich, we're not children. But if you read the internet, some of these people literally think that they shoot a movie in chronological order and that's why Jamie Lee Curtis was only on set for like, I think it was between 10 and 15 days somewhere. Something and, like that. And, a couple of weeks. And that was it, yeah. And that was it. No, no, no. She was on set for her slated amount of time, they shot her shit and got her out. And, and real now quickly, too, else. not that it confirms anything, but there was a lot of pictures that were taking behind the scenes with her and Andy Matishak and uh, no Judy Greer. So I think that it kind of confirms that was not a dream sequence, but you never know. Who knows? Maybe she's in the hospital. Or maybe they're just hiding it well. 
Just like in the Batman. They teased us something in a trailer, Marvel style, and he didn't get it. If you've seen the Batman, without spoiling it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I can't wait to see that. Great movie. Uh, Apple TV Plus has announced there's going to be a new Godzilla series coming to the streaming service and will be part of the MonsterVerse. Nah, That's right, know, Godzilla. I'm a fan of the MonsterVerse. I'm a fan of Godzilla. So I'm a fan of this. And uh, it makes me want to get Apple Plus TV back, but I don't know. We'll find, we'll find out. We'll find out. All right. Evil Dead the Game, we know we have a release date now. It's coming soon. Uh, we are just a mere two months away now. May 13th, it will be released. And I will be playing that game. That's all you need to know. It looks pretty cool. looks almost like uh, it looks like they've uh, learned from the Friday the 13th game. It's kind of like kind of that world. And I have heard that there is a uh, campaign mode, single player. Yeah, I hope so. That's what will draw me to the game because I'm not big on those multiplayer asymmetrical. I like them all, baby. Games. I like them all. But um, no, we'll see. If it's got that, I'll definitely be buying Anywhere where I can cool. chainsaw and shoot deadites, I'm in. Right. Three versions of Ash are going to be in it, I know. And pretty much like a ton of the, the people that were in the movies. I, I'm Brother, I'm back. This. I'm in. I'm in for this. I live for this shit. Hey, if this is all we're going to get for, for Bruce Campbell doing Ash, I'll take it. Yeah, well, we still, we still have a new Evil Dead movie coming. Yes, we do. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we do. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Evil still, Dead uh, Rises. Yeah. It's coming <laughs> soon, I think. Evil Dead meets the Tower of Inferno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll find out how we feel about it when it comes up. Uh, so we got some news from Shudder that came out. Uh, first, there's a couple series that have been renewed here. Uh, Shudder's Cursed Films has been officially renewed for a second season. Good stuff, man. I love this. This is great. So we got an episode list here for this one. Uh, it's going to be premiering on April 7th. Uh, episodes will be The Wizard of Oz, Rosemary's Baby, The Serpent and the Rainbow, Stalker, which I'm not familiar with, and Cannibal Holocaust, which I know you'll be a huge fan of. Dude, I bet you that Cannibal Holocaust is going to be an amazing one. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the backstory of Cannibal Holocaust, real quickly, because I don't want to take up too much time. They thought it was a snuff film. They <laughs> literally arrested the director of the movie <laughs> because they thought that he killed the people in the movie. And then they had to bring them out and be like, hey, no, we're actors. It was a movie. That is real shit. And I'm, I'm sure they're definitely going to jump into that. That that should just tell you how crazy Cannibal Holocaust, if you've never seen it, actually was. And for those of you who have seen Cannibal Holocaust, uh, uh, it's uh, chef's kiss to grotesque. But I love it. I, I don't know if I can sit down and watch it all the time. But that little bit of in information that they thought it was a snuff film and arrested the director is nuts. Yeah. I'm excited for the Rosemary's Baby one. I'm a big fan of that movie. And, of course, it filmed uh, around the uh, the same uh, apartment building that John Lennon was killed in. Right. I, I think that that's the, probably out of the listing there, in my opinion, because I don't know too much about the other reasons that some of these other movies were cursed. I That's the only one that I know has like a cursed legend around it out of all of those movies. Yeah. Like, because the Cannibal Holocaust stuff, it's not really a curse with the arresting. I don't know if there was something more that I missed, but that's the most interesting story I ever took for it. Wizard of Oz, you could argue that the, the, the alleged guy that hangs it, himself. But, the, but that's that's been proven to be not real. Uh, so, I mean, that's just an urban legend that's not real. Right. Just like, you know, the ghost in uh, Three Men and a Little Baby. Uh, <laughs> it, it was just a cardboard cut, cut out of Tom Selleck or Ted Danson. Ted one Danson, or two. yeah. But it, it, they thought it was a fucking ghost. It was creepy the first time you see it. Serpent in the Rainbow is a great pull. It's a great movie if you've never seen it. Wes Craven film, by the way. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, I don't. I didn't know that that was cursed at all. I, I mean, it either. deals with curses. It feels like a bit of a stretch for this season, but still. Yeah, but you know? I you know what? I I love the movie. I love the movies involved. I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan. Rosemary's Baby, Serpent the Rainbow. The only one that I don't really, I never really saw was Stalker. I've never even heard of that. That's one. the first time. But Cannibal Holocaust, I'm a huge fan of. So I'm I'm a huge fan of these movies. So give me more information about all of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Good stuff. With that being said, I've probably seen Stalker 17 times and don't even realize it. Probably. You'll, you'll probably go and find it and watch it and halfway through message me and go, you know, I saw this like five times. <laughs> Last I just week. Didn't, I just didn't realize what it was. <laughs> uh, so Shudder also announced that we're getting a fourth season of Creep Show, And as you always say, in other news, water is wet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's their flagship show at this point. And why shouldn't it be? It's been f- amazing. Uh I, I've gone on record, and I'm going to continue to go on record and say this is the best horror anthology series since Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Like, honestly, this is that it, it's that level of good. And I'm not saying that they're the same because uh, they're not. They're, they're slightly different. But, man, Tales from the Crypt was the last great horror anthology series, in my opinion. This, this is, is on top of that. Uh, and I don't count, sorry, I don't count American Horror Stories in an anthology series uh, because... Yes, it's different every season, but they do a full season. I'm right. talking about episodic, episodic which we've got American Horror Stories. Yeah, but it, which it, I still haven't honestly, seen. And... I, I have not better than Creep Show. No, no, it's falls short. I think that they should stick to what they do good, and that's American Horror Story. Right, just throwing it out there. Not a shot on it. I, I thought they were. I saw what I saw from American Horror Stories was pretty good, but it wasn't American Horror Story. Right. Like it wasn't what I was expecting, and it definitely wasn't better than Creep Show. Was it better than Friday the Thirteenth? The series. I mean, it's. I mean, nostalgia purposes, I love it, but it's so bad. By the way, uh, speaking <laughs> of that, did you know that uh, Freddy's Nightmares has found a streaming home yeah, it's on, on uh, Screenbox? Screenbox, yeah. I almost thought about getting Screenbox just for a month, just because there's nothing really on there I want to see outside of that, just so I could just binge watch Freddy's Nightmares. But I'm like, you know what? That series wasn't very good, and the only real reason I want to do it is for nostalgia purposes. Although episode one is the the tale of Freddy Krueger. Is, oh, Episode that's right. one, it, directed by, you know who directed it. Don't disappoint me, Mike C. You're the horror trivia guy who directed that first series. I'll give you a clue, and it's a huge clue. He also directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Toby Hooper did? That's right. I think I did know that. Yeah. See, I, I knew when you had the puzzle look, that's why I gave you the big lifeline. I, I was going to say Wes? No, no. Toby Hooper. Wesker. Toby Hooper directed the I first did. episode of Freddy's Nightmares, and it is the story There's like of two, Freddy Krueger. Two circuits in my brain that are not connecting quite right here. And by Freddy Krueger, I mean me. it's the prequel story of, right. of human Freddy before he dies. And right. yes, Toby, the great Toby Hooper, is the director. I should have given you one of his more obscure movies. Like the Toolbox Murders? <laughs> which I would have known immediately if that's what you said. Yeah, it's, that's why I just said, fuck it, just go with the big one. <laughs> uh, Quiet Place Part 3 is not expected to come out until sometime in 2025 at this point. Uh, the spinoff is still expected by September of 2023, though. Yeah, now we're doing two movies. Originally, remember... Well, there's always going to be two. Right, but remember, originally, they were just like, oh, the third installment's going to be different. It's just going to be a spinoff. Right. And then we're, I don't know if we're done in this world. And then it came out, oh, we might not be done in the other world. Now they're just confirming it up. I think it's just because they like money. And I mean, I don't blame them. I like money, too. Who likes money? Who needs it? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of something that's going to be money, HBO is The Last of Us. We've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, It just feels like it's never going to get here. It's uh, not going to be premiering until sometime in 2023 now. And this will be a future episode of Cursed TV series on Shudder. Because, like, what can go wrong has gone wrong in this filming shooting slash whatever between pandemic and then I think people getting injured on set. There was somebody who got injured. And uh, there's been a million of reasons that they've stopped. So it's nice that they've at least t- t- slowed down because they were going hard for this 2022 release. Sometimes take a breath 
and put out the best product you can in 2023 is how I right. Like it. All right. So we saved the two, actually the three best stories for last. And then there's one other thing we're going to be talking about that pertains to sci-fi horror fest here with an announcement that was made just last night. But, uh, you know, honestly, we've got to talk briefly about the biggest news that we got throughout the entire past week. And that is that we got the first trailer for Amityville in space. Amityville in space. They've gone to space before the Fast and Furious movies? The whole house. The whole house is going to space. (laughs) On top of like what looks like an evil skull zombie thing. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, uh, Let me tell you. Listen. If if there's anything that's going to rival Lamageddon, it's going to be this. The difference is Lamageddon knew it was bad and it was a fun movie. I know. This, not so much. let Let me just say this. There's just, I just have to go to this one thing. Didn't we say all we needed to say with the Amityville movies like fucking years ago? Like, let's just stop. Just stop. <laughs> stop. All right. So on to better news here. Netflix has come out with some very, very interesting news. You probably have heard about this by now because uh, it was a couple of weeks ago that they announced it, maybe about two weeks ago. But in case you haven't, uh, we got Stranger Things season four news. Big news. Not only is it going to be debuting and premiering on Netflix on May 27th, but it's going to be broken into two separate parts. Uh, Each is going to be nearly an entire season's worth of shows. So this isn't we're going to be getting three or four episodes and then they're going to be doing another one. Part one is going to be premiering on May 27th. Part two will premiere on July 1st. So you were kind of right about this, where you thought that we were going to be getting it on 4th of July weekend. We're getting it on Memorial Day weekend and 4th of July weekend. Two near full season's worth of episodes, a double dose of Stranger Things for season four. I I mean, I was right completely because I also said they could uh, bump it up just to take advantage of the fact that there's a lot of content coming up from their competitors and they want to compete. So it was the best of both worlds for them because now they're doing a two-parter and they're putting it out so they're going to be able to compete with what Disney Plus is putting out and also uh, in HBO Max as well. And uh, now they're also going to stay to that July 4th weekend, which was successful for them in the past. I I love it. And I mean, I'm I'm a fan. Give me all the, the Stranger Things you can. Yeah. I'm excited about this news. That's going to be a lot of stuff to watch this summer, early on in the summer. Um, The other thing that we got, and it's been rumored, there was never anything that was positively put out about it, but they did announce when they announced this that, in fact, season five, once it comes, is going to be... That's it. The end of it. Which we knew was coming. We kind of knew it was coming. It was always rumored to be that, but it is official. Season five will be the end of of uh, Stranger Things. However, um, there is news that uh, they may be putting Eleven into her own series. They've always been saying that this wasn't going to be the end of this world. So it sounds like they are going to be spinning it off into other things, uh, notably Eleven having her own show, which is going to be kind of you know interesting if they go that route. I don't know that people are going to necessarily love that. It's the collection of these characters together that are great. They have great chemistry together. We've seen these kids literally grown up um into young adults so but um th- that is that is something that's a hard fact at this point yeah I, I i'm like i said i have no surprises i mean that was where they were going to go all the whole time or that was their original plan the whole time even though i wanted to space it out a little more but uh we are it is what it is and uh, i'm excited to see how they finish it's been a great story so far and i like i applaud them for not beating a story into the ground like we do so much in uh 
American uh, television series. Usually we beat them into the ground and don't let them uh, get a good ending, and that's why usually people are pissed off at the endings of such legendary shows. Only a couple have pulled it off. I'm looking at The Wire and, of course, Breaking Bad. A lot of them fall short, and I'm looking at pretty much every other show, including The Sopranos, Lost, and uh, Sons of Anarchy. We can't all be friends. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Which ended very well. In my opinion. Yes. Unlike Seinfeld. Uh, So now we're up to the biggest news of the week. And this thing came out at left field. Uh, You sent me this uh, by text uh, around 5 o'clock-ish. It was like dinner time on Friday night. Um, So we know that there is going to be... The FX is going to be having an alien series. And that Ridley Scott is going to be involved as like an executive producer in that. Yes. So we already knew that that was going to be coming. But... The news that we've got is that a new Alien film is going to be coming out. It's also going to be produced by Ridley Scott. Fetty Alvarez is writing and directing this brand new Alien film. It's not going to be following any of the previous films and will instead be an original standalone story. Yes. Sounds this good. Is Big, big news. Well, yeah, it's a great, it's great news. Revive the Aliens franchise that has kind of fallen on its ass. Uh, just like we were talking about earlier with uh, Predator and Prey, you know, hopefully reviving that franchise. And if you do a good enough job, you can revive the franchise. I think they tapped the perfect guy to do it. Uh, Fetty Alvarez is a writer-director. It's not like it's his first rodeo in reviving uh, franchises, i.e. Evil Dead, uh, which is going to the 2013 movie, which goes down as probably one of the greatest horror movies of all time, even though it was a remake, anyway. Reboot, if you will. Uh, I don't know. I have it on my high on my list. I think the Evil Dead 2013 is a fucking phenomenal film. I think it's a phenomenal film too. I would. I don't know that I would put it as one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Definitely one of the best two remakes of all time. It's definitely like two or top, three. It's definitely in the top five of best in the the 2010s. The only remakes I can that. really think of that would be right up there with it are the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which people can say whatever they want. 2003. Yeah, that's yeah. no, so good. And the Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, that was, so that was good. I think it's definitely up there yeah. with both of them, and very very underrated there's a lot of people that don't like it i'm excited for it can't wait to see it so that's happening uh the other piece of news with that is that also is going to be going straight to hulu when it happens disney money baby of course they got they had they got that from uh their deal with uh when they bought 20th century fox yes that is correct and uh, the last piece of news i'm going to actually uh send this one over to you because sci-fi horror fest we haven't been there in in going on almost three years now Two shows got canceled because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, we had what I feel was huge, huge news that kind of came out of nowhere last night. I didn't I didn't see this one coming, and uh, so we got a big celebrity announcement, and, and I'll, I'll give you the floor for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously saw it coming, <laughs> but uh, Sci-Fi Horror Fest, first of all, going down on August 26th and 27th at the Vernon Downs Casino in Vernon, New York. Day after my birthday. Uh, the great, it, It's in the greater Syracuse, Utica area. It's a nice, nice little in-between of both, closer to Utica, but in between Syracuse as well. So it's an easy to get to. It's at a casino. Uh, we've got a lot of the uh, smaller things. Uh, I, uh, other announcement is all vendor spaces are sold out officially so there's a lot of vendors that are going to be there there is a lot of celebrities there's a lot of different good things going on panels etc etc but uh we announced the first uh uh celebrity major celebrity if you will to be appearing at sci-fi horror fest this year and it was actually the one that just kind of i said on patreon kind of fell into our laps which is awesome but that doesn't mean he isn't great ladies and gentlemen uh, the first big announcement is that richard masseur is going to uh 
be at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Of course, he is the original. He originally played adult Stan in the uh, the 1991 It miniseries. It was 90? 90. I always say it's 91 for some reason. And of course, he was also in... You just mentioned it, the, the thing. thing. So yeah. I mean, isn't that isn't that great that that was a good segue from you? Uh, but yes, uh, Richard Masur is going to be at Sci-Fi Horror Fest, and we still have two as of right now. And you never know; we could add more. But we have two more major celebrity announcements coming into August twenty sixth and twenty seventh at the Vernon Downs Casino in Vernon, New York, Friday and Saturday. I can tell you that weekend passes. Now this is this is where it gets good. Weekend passes just twenty dollars for both days or fifteen dollars for one day and you can get them at sci-fi horrorfest.com or they can be purchased at the door uh yeah, it's a good time good check it out check out sci-fi horror fest there's a lot of major announcements follow them on facebook that's the best page that uh, they have currently where they have a bunch of announcements about different different things coming uh, i know that we're gonna have never more uh, tattoos in attendance and there will be live tattooing at the event I think they'll give me one for free and I can finish my horror I, one. I don't know about it for free, but they'll be there. <laughs> uh, also, you know, uh, our good friend uh, Tom Clark from the Necrocasticon, also as an author, he's going to be there. Uh, so many so many great things going on. Uh, we, we got some, some really cool things going on. It's the first year at Vernon Downs. It's the first year since 2019 that we've had a sci-fi horror fest because of the pandemics and, that and was a we're one. trying to make it we're trying to make it exciting i will say this we do have some really awesome celebrities including richard masseur who was already announced and then we have the other two celebrities that are, will be announced and i can tell you they're definitely fan favorites but i will say this we get a lot of uh emails questions Facebook messengers uh, for Sci-Fi Horror Fest. And when I say we, I'm the event manager. I'm not the promoter, but I'm the event manager. So I get to see all these. I'm privy to all of them. And a lot of times, you know, you hear celebrities and you hear people when they say who they want to see and what they want to see. And, you know, you get a lot of your Tim Curry's and Kane Hodder's and Robert Anglin's and, you know, a ton of them. And you see these guys at some bigger convention. That's fine. This is the first year this convention is back in a few years. It's also the first year. And I'm not saying that who we have, because trust me, who we have is pretty fucking awesome. And you should come out to see it. And it's definitely way cheaper than going to a place like Monster Mania, where they have all these guys and they have to pay them somehow. Uh, if you want to get to that level, come out and show up. And this is the first time at the Vernon Downs Casino, and it's going to be a great centralized location. Lots of places to stay in the Utica if you want to do the whole weekend. Lots of opportunities. There's going to be some great panels. I can guarantee you that there will be some form of live Horror Zone 607. There will be some point, some kind of live Three Fat Nerds podcast stuff. There might even be a fucking movie watch along. I, I'm just saying. I'm working on some things. Okay, people? But uh, there's going to be a lot of entertainment between panels, between guests, between the vendors. This is going to be a great weekend. And uh, it's a beautiful area up there. It's going to be at, at the tail end of summer. There's a lot of stuff to be seen in the area. So if you come up and you have a good time, uh, I know we're working on some kind of after party for the first night. It's just Friday and Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, man, I want to get Richard Masur on our show. You never know. I might be able to pull some stuff off. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, if you want to see, like, if you want to see a Kane Hodder, come out because that's not off the table. But this year, I can tell you that the, that the guests are booked. They are super awesome. I know, I know, and I've said this before. One is legend. One is a, definitely a legend and a, a, a big deal for a lot of horror fans. And the other one is probably one of the fastest high rising commodities in horror. So I can, I'm just going to leave you with that teaser because until we officially announce it, I'm not giving it up. And it's not Jenna Ortega. And it's not Jenna Ortega. She's too busy. It should she's be in her. every movie. It should in, be her. Literally, she's in every movie in 2022 somehow. I don't know how. She's too busy. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully in a couple of years when her when she stops being in every movie that comes out in every year. 
we can get her to come in. But uh, with that being said, once again, we're trying to grow. The more we grow, the more it is for you as fans. So come on, support it. Like I said, $20 for a weekend pass, you're not going to find that anywhere else. Period. $15 for a day. You might as well just get the weekend pass. Come for two days. Have a great time. You know, and you can also gamble in the casino if you want. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the selling point, right? For some. Yeah. Diesel, that's where Diesel's going to be. We're going <laughs> to have a real problem keeping Diesel focused with a casino next year. So that's, that's going back to the days of Scaracon at uh, at uh, the the Turning Stone. Yeah. And losing Diesel to the casino. So you never Come know. Come here, boy. Diesel will be doing special signings and pictures from the casino, and uh, the money you give him don't it won't go into his pocket. It'll go right into the slot machine he's currently sitting at. <laughs> We're gonna set up a fund for him. Go fund he'll, me. He'll need the fund. He'll be he'll be down. But with that being said, uh, 26, 27 August, we'll be talking about it more as it goes on. Once again, sci-fi horrorfest.com for all the great information, including how to get early tickets. And uh, yeah, we got two more big celebrity ones, at least two more. Because you never know. This one kind of fell on our laps. You never know. Another one could. And, uh, of course, for all contact information, get a hold of them. Uh, like their page on Facebook. With that being said, though, uh, before we go to the break, I just want to remind you all that information for Sci-Fi Horror Fest and everything else you can find at 8122productions.com, along with everything to do with Horror Zone 607, including the links and older shows. Visit 8122productions.com. Also on there is the Twitch uh, uh, the Twitch. Uh, sorry, the Twitch link. I can't even speak today now after doing all that plugging. Uh, the Twitch link for twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Check that out. Check out the Patreon if you'd like to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. And, of course, we have a Public store. You can get some swag, including the Horizon 607 shirt from the Public store. Uh, all that and more, and there's so much there. But the one-stop shop is definitely 8122productions.com. And, of course, to get a hoard of Horizon 607, it's simple. Hit us up on Facebook, Horizon 607, and Twitter at Horizon 607. So seven hashtag HC six zero seven when talking about the show. With that being said, we are going to take a break. When we come, oh, we have oh, I forgot we do you do you do your trivia questions. Okay, so before the trivia How question, dare you? After this trivia question, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back with our review of Scream twenty twenty two. What's the trivia question? All right, so this one, I, I hope you can get this one. I think you'll get them, but there's a there's a little catch to this one. So here we go with this week's question. In the original Scream. What are Randy's rules for surviving a horror movie in order? One more time in the original Scream, what are Randy's rules for surviving a horror movie in order? The answer coming up right after the break. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Tuffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, and you're listening to Rich and Mike on the Horror Zone 607 Podcast. Welcome back to the zone. There's a favorite. We like that song. That's Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with Red Right Hand. 
fitting for the last week of reviewing Scream movies because we are going to be reviewing Scream 2022. And, uh, you know, we started... We finished uh, with the original four movies the last time we did a show, and uh, you know it only makes sense that we would be talking about the new one now that I finally got a chance to see the new one twice, once in theaters, once on digital, and uh, we got a lot to say about this. I got a lot to say about this one. I took a lot of notes, and I usually just kind of fly by the seat of my pants with a review. Um, the only other time I really remember having notes was uh, George Romero, ah, yes, and those weren't good, uh, but this one I got a lot to say. Uh, this one I, I think is a bit more of a positive review that I've got for this, so... Especially after seeing it a second time. Now I've had time to kind of digest it. So Right on. So yeah. Scream 2022, the review. Scream 2022, finally. You finally want to talk about Scream 2022? Finally! Or else do we just leave off for another two months? Because I, I mean, I'm Do you want to hold off for two months and just end the show? I'm game for just saying, you know what? That's all we have. <laughs> Good night, week, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen. That's all we have. We'll see you next week on Horde. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, so Scream 2022, we already, I mean... Uh, the original release date was January 14th, 2022, the day before my birthday with 114-minute runtime uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures, produced by Spyglass Media Group, Project X Entertainment, and Radio Silence Productions. Uh, it was uh, based, of course, by characters by Kevin Williamson, and it was written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Uh, it was directed by Matt Bettinelli-Ulpin and Tyler Gillett, Gillette, sorry, Tyler Gillette. I said his name wrong. <laughs> Uh, and it was uh, produced by William Chirac, James Vanderbilt, and Paul Neinstein. Cinematography was done by Brett Jokowitz, edited by Michael Aller, and the music was by Brian Tyler. Of course, it starred uh, Melissa Barrera, Mason Gooding, J Jenna Ortega, Jack Quaid, Marley Shelton, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, and so many more, because we'll get to all and of them. Everybody else that is alive on the earth today. Exactly. And of course, last but certainly not least, it had a budget of $24 million. And as you heard earlier, has a global budget, uh, global box office of $138.2 million. And that's how you get another fucking film, folks. Yes, it is. And I think it goes without saying, but uh, in three, two, one, we got spoilers. Well, uh, we have a spoiler. We got a spoiler? Uh, so before, before we do spoiler alerts, and I mean, I know this movie's been out for a little while. I usually like to do on the Three Fat Nerds, and I, I feel like it's fair to those of you who don't want the movie spoiled. Uh, do you recommend yes and no and why without spoiling it? Mike. Do I recommend? Do you recommend or not recommend Scream 2022 to people to watch? And if so, why without a spoiler? Just a brief, just a scene. Um, I absolutely do. Um, if you're a fan of the Scream series like we are, I mean, I love slashers, and Scream is the reason that I love horror movies. It was the first one I ever went to the movies to see. Uh, so I've been very much emotionally invested in this series and was very excited to hear that they were going to be making a new one. So yeah, I absolutely do suggest that if you are a fan of the series, get out there and check it out. And I'm just saying, if you're a horror fan, watch Scream. I, I spent $50 it. on the whole series the other day when this one hit digital. <laughs> I, rec I recommend you're going to see this. Obviously, I recommended it earlier in the, movie, in the show, but I'm recommending it again. But we are going to do spoilers. So if you have not seen Scream 2022 yet and you don't want it spoiled, come back to this after you've seen it. And if, if you are one of the people, like a lot of horror fans, who have seen this movie, then just run right past it. But there is going to be our spoiler alert. And after this alert, we are going to be talking spoilers. So you've been warned. Boom. 
Now you I can did talk, know that we had that. Now you can talk spoilers, Mike. See, now you have the notes, and I have already reviewed this for Three Fat Nerds Podcast. So if a lot of the fans that have crossover have already heard my review, not saying I'm back because I'm going to jump in and talk and have points. But I want to give you the floor for your notes. We don't for go. Take. We don't go scene through scene through movies. We will bring up scenes while talking about it, but it's not like we go in the beginning and then we're not that kind of show. Uh, there's plenty of those if you want to hear that. But we give what we liked, what we didn't like. And just the, the overall synopsis and feel for the movie. So in no particular order, you can bring up your points and we can kind of chat about them briefly. Okay. So I'm going to start at the beginning of the movie. So when we saw the trailer, it looked like, boy, this movie was giving away stuff right from the start. Um, they did try to say, you know, in the promotion of the movie, yeah, you think you've seen everything from the trailers, but uh, you haven't seen nothing yet. So the movie opens up with an homage to the opening scene of the original movie, which, of course, had Drew Barrymore, who was a big star at the time, has gotten even bigger since then, but was a really big star at the time. We knew that she was going to be in the movie. She was the one that was on the all the posters, all the, the hype, and she uh, got killed off in the first 10 minutes of that movie, and it just floored everybody. Fast forward to 2022, and Jenna Ortega is a young teenage actress that has really kind of come out of nowhere and is just a force, especially in the world of horror. She's in everything all of a sudden. Uh, First time I remember seeing her was in the show You, season two, I believe, she was in. And she was awesome in that. She's an awesome actress. She's snarky. She's fun. I love her. And I hope that she just keeps making these things and she becomes a huge star throughout her career. I hope that she continues to become a big star. Um, So the scene opens up with very much an homage to that. And she gets the ever-living daylights kicked out of her. Uh, I, I like the banter with her and uh, Ghostface on the phone. Um, but And I'm going to talk more about Roger L. Jackson's uh, portrayal of Ghostface in this one as we get going. Um, he's been Ghostface throughout the entire series. And uh, he's back here, and he was great in this. But uh, I love the banter that they're having. But my God, the brutality of the opening scene of this movie and throughout this movie is unparalleled in this series. But there was a big, big catch to this one. All of the other four movies in this series, somebody gets killed in the opening scene. And we expect that that was going to happen with Jenna Ortega, especially because, I mean, he hacks her up good. He stabs her in her side. He stabs her in her back. He stabs her in her stomach. He puts a knife right through her bare, like her, her palm of her hand. He messes her up real good. And it cuts to the opening Scream logo right as he's coming down with the knife, what looks like it's coming into her chest or her head. But we find out that she survived the attack. That's true. Uh, Piggyback off what you're saying, just to comment on the open. I I was a big fan of the open. Uh, The open, of course, paying homage in a lot of ways to the original movie with the uh, popcorn, with the knife twiddling. She's twiddling with a knife at one point in juncture. Very, very reminiscent, if you will, of the the original film. Uh, But I think that my favorite part is, and as you know me, I like mean-spirited things. This movie is the darkest, probably most mean-spirited in the franchise. Oh, yeah. And they open with that. and, And even before he ever stabs her, when... When when Ghostface stomps on her leg and snaps it yeah. as she's trying to get away, I realize, oh, this is a different movie, followed by the brutality, especially the defense of as she puts her hand up to protect herself and stabs through the hand. I'm just the like, blood okay. Dripping down yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, face. I'm like, you know what? This is a different beast. This is mean-spirited. I'm here for it. And it's that, it's that a great tone in the beginning. And Scream 4, I'll just go back to that because up to this point, Scream 4 was the most brutal of the, of the original four movies. And I didn't think anything could really top that. 
you know, these movies have always been more about like mixing in comedy with it and stuff. And there has been brutal kills, but I didn't think they were going to top that. And this movie blows all of those away. And that's my next point is how brutal and awesome the kills are in this movie. I mean, they unbelievable brutality in this movie. And like you said, this one is by far the darkest of the five. And it is the most mean spirited of the five. Hands down. Yeah, I love the kills in this movie. There wasn't a kill. There was not a kill in this movie where I was like, oh, man, that wasn't good. Uh, I mean, some were better than others. Obviously, you're always right. going to have that. But I mean, even like the like the I, I would say the slowest, uh, the, 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 the worst kill would be the technically the first kill of the movie, since we know that Jenna Ortega's character does not die. Uh, it was the first kill of the movie. And it, she's still stabbed. She's the guy still gets stabbed in the fucking throat and gurgles out. Like it's very visceral, and like as a as a human being, sometimes the more realistic and reality based things are are really what gets you. And think about it: in real life, you could see somebody get stabbed in the neck, and they would gurgle out like that. So I I still think that was brutal in its own. Uh, oh, Kyle th- Gallner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that I think that uh, you have a lot of cool stuff that that they did and built up. Uh, I know we're going to get into certain things later. I'm just going to leave your list alone for now. But uh, just as the kills alone, not going into anything specific, uh, not only were they brutal, but they were also in a lot of ways the most um, psychological. Yeah. Uh, it's, it felt like Ghostface in this movie was very psychological, right down to like uh, when Ser- Sheriff Judy thinks her son's in trouble, comes back, and it's a setup. Like yeah. one of the smartest things you ever seen in the middle of daylight on a front porch just pops out and stabs in her a residential neighborhood. And you're just like, oh shit, nobody's safe. Yeah. Like, like, so like, but it was psychological. He's playing mind games with her. Oh, you ever seen Psycho? Yeah. You know, like, cause obviously she knew he was in the shower. Yeah. And then, and then Ghostface is like, oh, you're by the time you get here, he's going to be gone. Like, so she's in this rush, doesn't even pay attention to her surroundings and ends up dead for it. And it's just yep. like, it, that was psychological. Later on. Uh, without ruining some of your f- further points, but later on the hospital scene where Ghostface gives first, for first, first of all, the first time we see Ghostface well covered, wearing a, the voice changer underneath the mask and talking, so people I love in the that. room could hear him. But the Ghostface gives uh, M- Melissa Berea, Sam character, the choice of who do you want to die. Oh, you're not going to choose. You're not going to choose your sister over your boyfriend. Oh man, this is horrible. Like it was like this psychological. I mean, we'll go into where that sets up because I know you have that in your list. But I thought there was one of those interesting it's psychological. Like it was like you know you see the psychology of like you know we we've gotten the oh which door am I at kind of shit right ba da 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 da. But we've never gotten to like I'm teasing you and fucking with your mind while I'm killing somebody or killing something. Right, pick one or I'm going to kill them both. Yeah, pick one. Pick pick one or kill them both. I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you pick which one survives. Yeah, and I did like the voice thing. Oh, oh, there was, was just cool. a button on the side of the, the like on the light? neck. You, you see, see a red, red light? light come on. It makes a noise. I liked that. I thought it was cool. I really liked that. Roman probably was the closest to that in uh, in the third one. Um, he had something built right into the mask, and he could actually change the voice to be whoever yeah, he, he wanted. But we still didn't hear him but, too much in person. Right. Yeah. This one was really cool, the way that they pulled that off and the way the technology has changed and, and whatnot. Um, so moving on, um, let's get back to Roger L. Jackson doing the voice of Ghostface. I like the way that he calls Jenna Ortega in the opening scene. He just kind of uses his regular voice and um, talking about how he knows his, I'm her mother. I'm mom. Yeah. She talks about you in group all the time. The, the voice fit the killer at least one of the killers more in this one when you find out the reveal of the movie and we'll get into that in a second um or later on in the in the segment anyway the voice of who is doing most of the killing in this movie the 
the voice that Roger L. Jackson does kind of fits the way that that person acted in in reality without the mask on. Um, so I, I thought that he did a commendable job uh, in this one. I thought this was the best Roger L. Jackson that we've gotten in this series. Um, also, the best in the series was in this movie was Dewey. This was the strongest portrayal of Dewey, bar none, in the entire series of all five movies. He was great. I would have liked to have seen more, and we're going to talk about that when we get into my dislikes. Uh, but I thought Dewey was a very, very, very strong character and more serious in this one. I was going to say, I, I don't know if I would say strong. I would say that he was very good, and it was definitely the best portrayal. I like. I, I mean, the reason I don't want to say strong is he still has that Dewey quality about him where he's still, like, he's going to do the right thing, but he's also leery, and that's always, like, a Dewey trait. Uh, I liked how they played him down and out with nothing to lose. I like yeah. the fact that David Arquette really embodied, you know, here's this guy who last we saw him had the world. He had, you know, the beautiful wife. He had the perfect life. He sheriff was a sheriff. The and then somewhere, somewhere in it, we find out that, you know, Gail gets this job working in New York. He can't take it and leaves. In the we middle find of the night. We find out it's his fault, really. Yeah. And he comes back. Sneaks out in the middle of the night and he, leaves her. He comes back. He's still, he's, he's sheriff again. And then because of the fact that he can't handle that he left Gail, that he can't handle that he was a coward. Uh, he becomes in, he's an alcoholic you can tell yep. and that costs him his job we you know they I retired well why why did you go why did you retire well they kind of made me yeah you know what I mean like and so here he is just when we see him at first in the trailer in a trailer rundown trailer and he's watching his you know his now estranged wife because I don't know if they ever said that they were divorced he just left yeah. so I don't know if they were technically divorced well, so we'll say I think estranged. they may have still been married because there is a scene when Gail comes back and she meets Melissa Barrera's character and she's like I can't remember exactly how they set up she, she says goes, Gail Weathers she goes what's your name Gail she, goes, Riley. she goes you're Gail you're that girl Gail she goes Gail she says her she says her married name Gail, she goes, Gail Weather, Riley Riley yeah yeah she, she says but I, I think that they were more estranged I don't think they got a divorce they don't ever say right so I'm just gonna say that they're estranged and that leads to the great scene between the two of them correct and uh, where he does take the blame and I mean I, I loved when Dewey finds out Ghostface is back. He does the Dewey thing. At first, he sends him away like he doesn't want any part of it. But then he calls Sydney, which we kind of saw in the trailers. And then he turns around and he can't bring himself to call Gail, so he messages her. Right. Which there's a comical scene there. Right. Like, a text message. A text message, Dewey. <laughs> really? A fucking text message? You couldn't give me a call? He's I just also, like. I, I don't want to bother out. you. You're on TV. She's like, well, how do you know? And that's where she puts it together. He's watching. I do also want to point out that the greatest line in the entire movie takes place where they kind of uh, Melissa Barrera and her boyfriend played by Jack Quaid go to Dewey's trailer and they try to ask him for help and he just kind of throws them out and he ends up coming back to them and says I'll help you with this investigation and he goes with the two of them to her friend's house mm -hmm. and he's explaining the rules which I'm going to get into whose house it was in a second because uh, it's kind of one of like the Easter eggs type type scenarios in a way where they, and there's a lot of that stuff throughout the movie but they're sitting around the living room and this is kind of where you first kind of somewhat start to get some character development from the other characters from in the, the teenagers movie, the, the new teenagers in the movie 
And they're just kind of saying, well, it could be you. Well, yeah, but it could be you. And one of them, I think it was Mason Gooding, one of the twins, one of yeah. Randy's uh, nephews. Well, first <laughs> of all, we should say that. You see the memorial to Randy Meeks. Right. And you find out that... It's and, in Martha Meeks' house. Martha, Martha Meeks, Meeks is and back. Her, her, her kids are the twins. Right. And so she says hi to Dewey because, of course, they know each other. And it's typical and, Martha Meeks, just yes. like in Scream oh, 3. Oh, it's so nice to have you back. Like, it's Dewey. like killings are going on. And she's like, it's so nice. Oh, it's She's good. bringing well, him snacks. And the best is she's like, okay, well, you guys go ahead and figure out who the killer yeah. is. And like, she, <laughs> she walks the fuck away. And you're just she like, this away. is great. This is Last time you see her, just like in Scream 3. It was awesome, though. It was great but they're sitting around and they're kind of accusing each other and i believe it was mason Gooding, one of the twins looks and says well it could be you i mean you got stabbed like like nine times and you know you've been oh, no, involved no. all these things it was wes it was uh was it what oh uh, that's right Joel it was Manette's wes. character wes he says he says yeah. you've been stabbed like nine times maybe you just had to, he was like you know what I, I I would be offended, but that hurts because it's, it's true. <laughs> no, no, that's not what he, he cuts, said. No, he goes, no, you might be the killer. You may be the killer because that cut deep. Uh, oh, that's what it was, yeah. Because <laughs> that cut deep. He's like, he it, just gets it, this it look was, on his face. It was, it was fun. Uh, He's got a serious look on his face, and then he just gets this sad look real quick because that cut deep. But let's, let's throw it in there. That I don't know where you had this. That is the scene where we get Scream finally naming what we've never been able to figure out what the fuck we call these movies. Because in Scream, in true fashion and meta fashion, and I, one of my favorite parts of this is the going back to the meta, mm-hmm. is they is, is it explained to us by one of the twins, of course, uh, that would be Mindy. Uh, she explains that these are called requels. Yes. And then in a requel, you have to, you know, what you can't do is you can't piss off the original nostalgia fan base, so you have to bring back legacy characters. But then you have to mix in the new ones, and you have to have a perfect balance or else you're going to fall flat on your face. Think about it. Successful movies do it like Candyman. Candyman made a lot because they they went back and got them. But you know what? You can fall flat on your face if you ignore all those fans. That's why all those reboots from the the late 2000s didn't work. They got rid of all the legacy characters. You can't do that. And so she then goes on to explain the rules of a requel where it's like okay we're gonna have a new hero and that new hero you know sorry sam is you yeah and then she goes on to say that like you know go basically goes through you know and some of the legacy characters looks over at dewey doesn't say it she's like some of you guys are gonna die you're like like, because you know they have to do something big you have to make a splash to let you know that this is a new era this is a new generation Blah, blah 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 and i thought that was cool that a in the meta world they give you the requel they give you the terminology, and on top of that, explain everything we've seen, whether it be from Candyman or Halloween 2018 or every other requel we've gotten, is that, hey, yeah, this is why they keep in track of the legacy. Right. They keep it to the fan base for nostalgia, and then we enter something new. And when done right, it creates a whole new franchise. When done wrong, it kills the franchise. And they make a comment about something about a fifth movie it might have been stab five or something like that they're like they should have just called it stab or something like that because there was something about it that kind of got to where everybody was like why isn't this scream five it's so stupid that this isn't called oh, yeah. scream oh, five they, there was a point. little dig that they make about that bring it oh yeah no no she makes it i think i, I have to rewatch there's a line I, I there's just, a line where she was like and of course everybody's after halloween 2018 everybody i think she makes a line of, about like everybody names their movie with just the original so that's title. what it was there was some sort of a dig at this and not i think, being she, she, I think she makes fun of it on her her, her shelf or something something like and that makes no sense on my shelf but she goes on to say like like when they're talking about these requels getting back to it this is why i didn't have a problem after this movie with the scream 2022 name because it was fucking meta right they were doing the meta thing i really believe that like 
like we saw in the original posters, they were going to name this Scream 5. And then they went, you know, we're making fun of requels. Why don't we just name the movie like a fucking requel? Right. It makes sense. Right. Although, thankfully, we didn't get the uh, movie's version of Stab 8. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Flamethrowers and Metal Mask. Flamethrowers and the Metal Mask. Uh, so... You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, like cool throwbacks to the original movie and like other things throughout the series. But, you know, the Easter eggs, you know, we'll just we'll kind of put this all under this category here because there was a ton of them. So we find out and this is a major spoiler right here. We find out early on in the movie that Melissa Barrera's character is actually the illegitimate love child of Billy Loomis. That's right. We don't know who her mother is yet. We don't know who her mother is yet. Which may play a part. They they have already said that they think they did that intentionally. They didn't want to bring her in and convolute the story of Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega being sisters. She is the, she is the, uh, the, the daughter of Billy Loomis. She is the daughter of Billy Loomis. And she keeps having like these things where she can see him and talk to him. She's having delusions of this. She takes medication for it, but he's actually speaking to her and they did a great job. It, it was Skeet Ulrich that they brought back for this. And then de-aged. And uh, they de-aged him and he looked just like he did as he got murdered. I, <laughs> or not murdered, but killed. So I don't have a, I don't, I don't, I'm not offended by this, but I'm also, this was one of my least favorite parts of the movie. There was too much of it. And that's one of my negatives. Because, I thought it was awesome at first, but there was too much of it. Like my problem, my biggest problem, is what isn't what like when we first see it at the hospital or like when we first see it in the car when she has the argument about it, he's like you know what you have it in your blood we should just find out who it is and we'll kill them before they get us right like right. like I'm like I was all right with that part but when you get to the final act and he's like eyeballing her to the knife right I don't understand how that works right because like during her struggle you know at the end of the movie there's a knife and literally she sees her father in the mirror and he literally does the eyeball you know like when you use your eyeballs to look over at something towards the knife right like how the fuck is that a thing like it's in her head it's not a ghost so how the fuck did unless she saw the knife which we don't know because we have no evidence she saw it how is that even a thing yeah there was there was too much of that that was going on. So, um, so I think they went too far, but I did like how it looked. Yeah, I, and I agree. And you know, like I mentioned, Martha Meeks makes an appearance. Uh, there is a very very subtle. I missed it in the theater, um, and w- even when I bought it on digital and I watched it, it was very hard to see. But Kirby is still alive. Yes, we have a. We know for a fact I, I that Kirby's that still alive. You. you have the uh, there's a there's a YouTube video when he's watching the basically dead meat podcast version of Stab Eight because it is James J. Janice mm-hmm. in, the, in the video. Uh, and on the side where it says next videos, it says Woodsboro Survivor Kirby, and I forgive me, I forget her first or last name in the movies, is, uh, you know, it, an interview, it's with. interview with. So she's alive still. So Kirby uh, is we alive. We found that out. Also, I want to point out one of the cool ones. That you had, we we'd had a uh, Rose McGowan made a, a appearance kind of in a way because yep. her, her ashes her ashes for the first time are, are in Dewey's trailer are in Dewey's trailer so there was a kind of that cool now we had the uh, Jamie Kennedy uh, memorial as Randy yep. Meeks in the house uh, of course a lot of nods there was definitely a lot of nods and of course for those people who dug deep we had cameo appearances by it, it, it you had to look really quick I have not seen them so you I guess you have to slow down and watch uh, during the party scene, we had cameo appearances by Matthew Lillard. It was their voices. Oh, it was their voices? Yeah. I thought they were They, they were weren't actually in, the in it. Uh, so, and that's one of the things I was going to get to is, you know, they. I wish they didn't show it in the trailer, but the, the final act takes place in Stu's house again. 
Somebody else is living in it. Mikey Madison's character lives there. What's her name? Amber? Oh, uh, yes, Amber. Amber lives in, in his house. And she's I, walking through the party, and you hear somebody say, hey, it's such a nice house. It was Matthew Lillard that yeah. said it. And, and it was, was because voice, it was... Also, uh, Hayden Panettiere's voice in the movie. Yeah, they so got Hayden Panettiere, uh, Jamie Kennedy, um, a whole bunch of people that were involved throughout the series of it. There's a I big scene there. Like, them hiding in the background like they did in yeah, the past. Because remember, Matthew Lillard in Scream 2 right. is hiding in the past. too. But it was just their voices that they used. Henry Winkler was in there. Um, Marco Beltrami, who did the music for the first four movies. Uh, it, it, it was their voices. But there's a... Because the character of Wes, which is Judy Hicks's son, also gets killed. Right after she dies, Ghostface kills him. Brutally. And, and no and no coincidence that his name is Wes. And his name is Wes, which was a tribute, obviously, to Wes Craven. Which, at so the end of the movie, the they said that the movie scene, is for Wes. Right. In the party scene, the there was a tribute for Wes. They did a toast for Wes, which doubled as a tribute to Wes, Wes Craven. Craven. And all of their voices were in there to Wes. Like, you can't even make out that it is. You can definitely make out Matthew Lillard. that's kind of cool. When she's walking through the house. But that's kind of cool that they did that. I will give him the salute to that. Yes. Um, um, like, these are the neat things that they really did. Right. Um, one other thing that we find out is when Dewey gets a hold of Sydney. You don't know where Sydney's living, but she's running on a boardwalk somewhere, and she's pushing a stroller. So you know she's got at least one little kid in the stroller. And Dewey asks, how's Mark and the kids? I mean, she married Officer Mark from she the married Detective Mark, Mark. Sorry, Detective, Detective Mark, Mark Kincaid. Kincaid from the third movie, ladies and gentlemen. And they don't That's mention awesome. him by Kincaid. They don't call her they Sydney call Mark. Kincaid. It's Mark. But there was uh, an interview I did read um, with the with the writers and directors of the movie, and they did say that indeed she is married uh, to Mark Kincaid. I, I loved it. They loved wanted it. him to come back for this, and he was he had some other filming obligation. Yeah, I'm pissed off about that, Mark. So Mark, uh, but Patrick Dempsey, off. they've got plans no, for him. You're no longer Patrick Dempsey, Mark. You're just Mark. McDreamy's McDreamy's Dreamy. married to. Uh, Nev Campbell. Mick Dreamy is awesome. So, uh, you know, again, you know, in terms of the, the overall look of this film, I thought that this was the first one since the first movie that really nailed the look and the feel of the original movie. A lot of the camera angles, a lot of the just the the tone of the movie. A lot of this movie felt a lot like the original movie. I know real quick before you get into your negatives, I do want to get one more positive. And I know because we're we're running here on time. But uh, uh, one of my one of my big last positives is that I loved I don't know if I love the ending of this movie, but I loved the end scene with Sam where it was a whole different beast. So she gets in the struggle with Richie, you know, at the same time, Amber's getting in her struggle with uh, Sydney and Gail. And when she's having her struggle, one of the fav- my favorite things of this movie is the final act, if you will, for Richie. As as we, I noticed the uh, eye thing to the knife, which sends her to the knife. He gets on top of her. He looks like he's going to kill her. He asks her if she has anything left to say, and she says, uh, yeah, I have a new rule. Don't fuck with the serial killer's daughter. And stabs him in the fucking mouth with this knife. Among and then, other things. Well, no, no. But the first initial one is right through the mouth, and you can see it. And then, of course, that knocks him over. She gets on top, and she butchers him she is stabbing him for and i mean i think let's be honest that's what we want to see in movies uh and at the end of it he goes what's my what's my final act and she's like this and she just slits his throat and you're just like holy shit and then she does the one thing that i thought was great attention knife in left hand right hand wipes it off off. And I went, oh, shit. And then when she got up, she drops the knife. Galen uh, is sitting here there. And then she says something about shooting him. But she's like, oh, he ain't coming back. 
And then, of course, we do get shot the final anyway. shot. She shoots him anyways, but we do get the final shot, of course, for Amber's character. But She just took it and shot him. <laughs> she just took it away from <laughs> She me. just said, fuck it. If you want me to shoot him to prove it, he's not coming back, though. Uh, but I, I just thought that that was such a cool scene, especially because you can do so much with this Sam character going forward. Right. And I thought that that was really intriguing and neat. And especially, I love the attention to detail to the left hand with the, the right hand fucking... Clean off, clean off of the knife, which is which was the Billy Loomis clean because Billy Loomis was killing people with his left, right? Because Stu was killing them with his right, because that's how one of the sleuths in the movie figured out which killer was killing who. So it was kind of nice that somebody went back, paid that much attention to the internet folk who had figured out over the years who was the killer based upon which hand, right? And then turned around and went, oh let's make sure she puts the knife in her left hand to clean it with her right, just like her dad would. Right. And that's another thing that I did kind of like about this is I found out uh, when I was reading about this in the original movie, the scene where Randy's kind of like slumped over on the couch and he's watching Halloween. He's like, look behind you. Look behind you. And you see what Ghostface. are you doing? Ghostface, behind you. Ghostface comes into the room behind the couch and he's getting ready. That was actually Skeet Ulrich. It was the only scene in the movie that Skeet Ulrich played Ghostface. I didn't know that all these years. So that was actually Skeet Ulrich as Ghostface in that scene. And it was supposed to be uh, Billy. So in this one, we find out the killers are the boyfriend, Richie, and uh, Mikey Madison's character of Amber, Amber, who's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Batshit crazy. Um, in this one, the only scene that Richie is dressed... It, Jack Quaid was actually dressed as Ghostface, and it's when they reenacted the scene where Randy's niece is on the couch watching whatever. Stab She's watching or whatever, Stab. And you see Ghostface come in in Stu's house, come up behind, lifts up the thing, and it's like an exact replica. She's like, come of that on, scene. Randy, you made the rules, man. Look behind you. Behind Look behind you. you. And then she no, looks she's behind like, her. wait a minute. Then it'll, like, she, like, I love her facial, though. She looks and she's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And looks behind her, almost like, wait a minute. I should probably look behind me. <laughs> right. And it's and it was Jack Quaid oh, in that scene. Cool. The only scene in the movie that he played Ghostface. That's pretty cool. So there was that that was too. So out of my dislikes about this, and we are kind of running on time here because I've got someplace to be, so I'll have to kind of hurry through this here. But um, I personally did think that a lot, most of the new characters had pretty horrible character development. Most especially the kill one, one of the killers, uh, Amber, in particular. I just I thought that it was really really poor character development. When you think of the original Scream, there was pretty good development of all those characters in one way or another. This one, I just kind of felt like there was just, you know, they were there for a means to the end and they didn't really serve much of a purpose. They were just a body count. Um, I, I didn't really care much for them. Um, Kyle Gallner's character, who we find out, you know, the, the whole thing of this movie is you're finding out that the people that are being killed are some relation to legacy characters, mostly original, like people from the original movie. Kyle Gallner's character, you find out, is a cousin of Stu's. Yeah. He was worthless in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It looked like he was going to have a big role in this movie, and he was worthless, so he had no point. Randy's niece and, niece and nephew, for all that they did, the nephew especially, I thought they were pretty worthless characters, too. Um, the I, niece I was disagree. a little bit better, but I would disagree with you. she niece, was no Randy. The niece kind of filled the Randy role without being Randy, which I don't think you should go full on. Uh, the brother had that nerdy quality to him, which was weird. Even he though was he was a football kind of a, player. He was a jock, but he had still had that nerdy quality as far as a character. So I wouldn't say they were completely worthless. I would say that they are the new legacy characters that I hope they flush out a little more. I think that they were... I don't think they flushed anybody out a lot in this movie except for... Pretty much the Sam character. I don't even think they really they they, they didn't really uh, flush out Jenna Ortega's character either. Tara. I think that they they I think the only character they really cared about flushing out was Sam. So that's the one they went to. Which 
does hurt it a little bit, but I do think they started a good process of the ones that were going to carry on. Right. And I think that's the one tongue in cheek thing that might have they might have done on purpose when they were deciding to give a little more to this character or that character, unless you were the killer or unless you were coming back. They kind of went, eh, fuck you. And right. I mean, I mean, maybe that was their goal. I don't, I can't say it was, but I do agree with you that they could have done a little more character developing. I just hope that with the Meeks twins, they're going to be doing more. Hopefully more as it goes on, because right now I didn't really feel like they served as good a purpose as they were meant to. That's just my take. Also pretty worthless in this movie, or more, more of the word, I guess, would be pointless, were Sydney and Gale. They were They served once, no purpose. They didn't even need to be in the movie. Think about they it. were in there because people would have been mad if they weren't. Right. That's the only and purpose I think, I think they served. They made that thing. They did have a cool third act play. Uh, I mean, we all knew what house they were going to end up in anyways. But let's be honest, like they, they drugged that on a little too long. That's one of my negatives. But the reveal had to come from them, which was I think was smart at the time. I also I also did dig their third actness. Outside of that, though, yeah, I'm agreeing. With you. There's a good line when uh, Amber, you know, gets set on fire, which was a first. That was pretty cool. By the she way, said the second time about, in a movie where she's been set on fire because she was also set on fire in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, so she's met her demise, right. her quote unquote demise <laughs> by fire twice now. Um, the one thing that was cool about this is she's getting ready to kill. I think it was uh, Sydney, and she goes, "Time to pass the torch." And then she ends up. They fight back. They set her on fire. She's got alcohol. They bro- one of them broke a bottle of vodka or something over her head, and she's covered in. When in, she's going after Sydney, I do believe Gail smashes, smashes the bottle it. of alcohol. So over she's her covered head. in it. She's still very wet. And when she bumps in, when they're fighting, she bumps into the stove. And turns it on. It's a gas stove, and turns it on, and she spins around and goes up in flames. Well, no, she gets shot. Because remember, oh, Sydney yeah, hands, she gets Sydney hands she Gail the gun around. and says, this one belongs to you. Yeah. And she she, she shoots her. And when she shoots her, she spins she around, spins around and turns. She goes up in flames and falls on the floor. And Sydney is just like, how's that for passing the torch? <laughs> so a great Dude, the line The one-liners there. were good. The, one-liners the, the good one-liners were there. There wasn't nearly as much comedy as usual, but there were some great one-liners. Um, I... <sighs> To me, the final act was terrible. There was so much potential. I'm going to get into, and I'm going to need you to hear me out for for where I think that this should have gone. But the motives, we've seen this. It was almost the same exact motive as Scream 4. And yes, there were some differences in what Jill wanted from it, but it was pretty much the same motive that we've already seen. It It was a similar motive to Roman, although Roman had more, which, by the way, that was another thing I don't like, is Sydney and Gail, they're on their way. They put a tracker on uh, the phone, on Tara's phone or uh, Sam's phone. I think it's Sam's phone. And that's how they found out that they're going to Stu's house, that they they follow it on an app. And that's where they realize it is. But Gail talks about how, you know, none of this would have happened if I didn't write this book. You know, Billy wouldn't, you know, this, this wouldn't have happened because of Billy and blah, blah, blah. They don't mention Roman at all. Roman was the reason that everything happened in the original trilogy. True. They don't mention Roman at all ever again. Not in Scream 4. Not in Scream 4. In Scream 4, they kind of mention, Gail says something about, Dewey, I helped you solve this three times that's the closest that they mentioned a roman ever again so they don't mention him that kind of bothered me a little bit but the whole final act i I thought it was terrible i thought there was a wasted opportunity the killers i don't even really i I could i'm having a hard time remembering their names were richie and amber because they were so underdeveloped especially amber their motives were awful i just we're, we're doing this just so we can make a better stab movie 
Well, that's my point. The, that's why they're different. The The difference is Jill and four wanted to be a celebrity. And that was in the era. And this is where the scream got away from the movie section, because basically what it was, was it had nothing to do with the movies. She just wanted to be a pseudo celebrity like her aunt or her cousin was. Sorry, I, said, I almost said aunt. Her and they didn't mention was. Jill once either. Right, right. Well, you never know. But Jill might still be alive. They said that some psycho died 10 years. Some some psycho did this, put on a mask 10 years ago. And well, did you, know, this. You, that's want, it. you want to know what it is? I don't know. Maybe in the baby we'll find out, flush out. Hear me out. Joe was supposed to be alive in the original trilogy but, that, after Scream Four. Scream four, five, and six. There was supposed to be a trilogy. Joe was going to be alive in that. Right Re- ready for this though? What if the way that they remember how the movie ends in Scream Four? Where they say, Oh, Jill, whatever, fucking survived you know, da da the night, da 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 and they didn't know she was the killer. What if they, they can the, their way of going about it was continuing the so she wouldn't be famous? was continuing to make the world believe she wasn't the killer. So they just were like, oh, some psycho. And maybe that was their way of explaining it for so long that that's just how they explain it. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, here's the thing. I also think the difference is is this movie was playing on, A, going back to the meta roots. Yeah. So And and what better way to go back to the meta roots than going to what's big on the internet now also is, is toxic fandoms. And this toxic fandom wanted to bring back their favorite series, especially after it fell on its ass. And that is that is why they're, they're going after toxic fandoms on the internet. But at the same time, they're also going, okay, we're going back to meta. We're going back to where we're making fun of things that happen in requels and things yeah. that happen in horror films. Because they really were kind of tongue-in-cheek the whole time. You know, especially the scene, which I've, I've complained about a few times, the scene with before West dies where they go through the fake jump scare after fake jump scare after where it's just like okay the door is open nothing there okay when you close it the killer's going to be behind it because that's what happens nope open the like refrigerator times open, open the refrigerator in front of a door because that's what happens you'll close the killer will be there nope no killer no sign of the killer okay do this and the killer will be behind you nope no sign of the killer like they did that on purpose Although I think they wasted too much time on it. it too they, much of it. They, yeah. they, they did it on purpose. I, I'm just saying, I did enjoy the way that Richie Meech's demise. I thought that was a, a, a fun way. Although I did hate the fucking way she finds the knife. And then after, I'll agree with you. I didn't like the, the ending scene. I thought it was weak. So here's the last two points that I want to make about this. And the first one is a huge, huge spoiler. Um, yes, you know, we already talked about how Deputy Judy, or actually she's Sheriff Judy now, got killed. And I didn't care for that happening, although... I thought it was. I thought it was ingenious. It, it was good. I it just was different. I guess I didn't like that they killed her off, but at the same time, she really didn't have that big of a part in the fourth one anyway. She was kind of more comedy relief. But you know, I would have liked to have seen her survive. But here's here's one of the the two final points I want to make. Something happens. There is a legacy character that does get killed and gets killed brutally in this movie, and Wes never would have allowed this to happen, and that's. In the hospital scene that you were talking about before where Ghostface is there and you find out that Richie, who's, you know, Sam's boyfriend and Taro, who's Sam's sister, pick one. You have to choose one. You don't realize yet that Richie is one of the killers. Mm. He just gets a cut on his arm and he's kind of hamming it up. And Dewey comes, shows up with Sam. They kind of bluff, make it sound like they're far away. And she's, oh, you know, I'm just I'm just stalling for time so I can kill you. They come out of an elevator, and Sam and Dewey are in the elevator, and she shoots Ghostface, or Dewey shoots, Dewey Ghostface. shoots Ghostface. Ghostface is down and out, and um, well, there's a struggle. Actually, there's a struggle. Well, there is they a struggle, but- and then there's a struggle between Dewey and Ghostface. Right. Then he, then Dewey unloads in Ghostface's chest. Right. Falls through a thing. Then, yeah. but Dewey gets them the three other characters, puts them in an elevator, is getting ready to leave with them, and he's the head. 
You got to shoot them in the head or else they come back. Dewey walks out of the elevator. I mean, them are the rules. They are the rules, but Dewey does something that I don't know that Dewey necessarily. He's you know he is the good guy. He is the John Wayne. But it was kind of like one of those, oh, God, moments. And then the most heartbreaking thing that can almost tear you up a little bit happens, and Dewey gets killed very brutally. You find out that it's Amber that did it. She's got him off the ground. The girl's five foot tall, 95 pounds soaking wet. She's throwing him around like he's nothing and lifts him off the ground, has the two knives, one in his stomach, one in his back, and guts him all the way up to his sternum on both sides. That wouldn't have happened. In reality, somebody well, her size watching, wasn't going to be able to do it. We're watching a movie, though, and, but, and they're also wait, we're watching a movie. The point is, is that do you know David Arquette was upset about this? They said that he got he got very emotional on set when he found out that he was going to die, and they said that they explained it to him as to why it needed to happen to further the story and everything. But it just it never would have happened if Wes was still around. Those characters were still around for a reason. Wes would not have allowed that to happen. I don't know how you can say that because you're not Wes Craven. You're not one of his confidants. You're not in the movie. I just don't think but that it would have we're happened. Also, we're also it's my not, opinion of it. We're also not in a Wes Craven world. Uh, as sad as that sounds, it's not his movie anymore. Uh, the, I, I, Nev Campbell was very... Nev Campbell almost didn't do the movie when she found that out. Right. And once again, if that's that's the choice of the actors to do. Uh, but the, the, the reaction that you gave, that you know tearful get you whatever that was the reason for it happening and it was heartbreaking right right but and that then is, when gail finds out about it right, right. sees him getting but wheeled out but that's that was what they needed and 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 i'm assuming Which, by that's the way, why, why did they, they wheel him out on a stretcher i don't know <laughs> they were in a hospital I, when I it happened yeah they why did they just take him to the morgue in the basement <laughs> but, but because we needed to get the gail scene yeah honestly but here's my thing and that was a heartbreaking the reason scene, the but. reason for doing it is simple the reason for doing it is because it got the emotion that you wanted out of it it's the same reason why you know and i mean i know they're time was up in the marvel universe but it's the same reason why you had to kill captain america or not kill make old and it's the same reason you had to kill tony stark it's at some point in juncture you want that emotion to come out and when you're doing something new so your only other options here are to kill gail or to kill sydney and and it, here's the problem if you kill gail i don't think it's big enough i don't think you have that same emotional if gail dies i don't think you have that same emotional pull that you would with sydney or david arquette yeah but here's the problem. You can't necessarily kill Sydney because you don't know where you're going yet. And she is she is the Jamie Lee Curtis. She is. She is, you know, she is that final girl. She is I mean, let's be honest, in a lot of ways, the Sydney Prescott is the you know, has become probably in most people's top threes, if not number one final girl. She's stronger so than kill, Lori Strode. Right, right, right. So Way to stronger. kill so to kill her is a mistake. That you can't retcon. And her point, they, she actually did an interview last week, and she said that they have approached her for Stream 6, and she said, I got to read the script first. She said, if they're going to kill off Sydney, I will never let it happen. Right, she was right. I will not be in a movie I, I where agree. they kill it. I agree. But I don't think that anybody's that dumb, because once again, you might need that character. That's a character that you can't necessarily get rid of because as long as there's a franchise, you might need that character. So if you're looking for the emotion to get this new franchise off the road, unfortunately, there's only one left. And that is, and that's Dewey because a long time ago they killed off Randy because that would have been the scene if you would have kept Randy alive after two, where you could have killed off Randy. Now here's my thing: maybe much like Randy, you can always bring back Arquette in the form of Randy. Or now that we know that people just see visions of people in this world, yeah. who knows? Maybe she'll be the new vision in Sam's head. I don't fucking know. She may have good angel, bad angel. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm for that or against that. I'm just saying that that could be. But I mean, it's just weird to be like, hey. Take one of the most emotionally 
charge scenes in the movie and be like, man, I don't like it because I don't think, well, we don't know what Wes Craven would have thought because it's not his movie. I just don't think it's it would have done that. He loved those characters like they were right, his but children. He also wouldn't have rebooted this. He wouldn't have done a requel. He would have just tried to make another straight sequel. Probably. And after four, I don't know if that works anymore. True. I think we needed it, to go in this direction. And unfortunately, as a fan, I as a fan, I didn't want to see him die. But also, I understood, man, I wouldn't have gotten emotional in that movie if it was anybody else. True. Except for maybe Sydney. And no, I understand why you character. can't kill. I understand why you can't kill Sydney. So at that point in juncture, he's the sacrifice that had to be made to give us this, okay, A, a legacy character is going to die, and B, it's going to be something that impacts you. Yeah. Because for, for think about it, for four movies, pretty much we knew that those three characters were untouchable. You have to set up a world where they're not untouchable anymore. And unfortunately, like I said, I would have preferred Gale, but think about it. Nobody would have had that emotional response. Right. Nobody. So here's the last point I want to make about this. And this is one, again, you got to bear with me on this. And, you know, don't don't jump down my throat for when I say this. Because we've talked about this so many times jokingly. But this would have been, for me, the final act of this movie. The, the biggest impact it would have gotten, and I think that a lot of people, if not most people, would have been floored by it, would have been, considering that this final act takes place in Stu's house considering that you don't really get a lot of development from the two killers this would have been the movie and at this point it's I, I just don't see it happening this this was the opportunity that they would have had to have taken it but Stu should have still been alive this should have been his kids and it would have been an impactful finish and you know I you keep talking about the TV but hear me out hear me out every one of the killers in this series has gotten killed at the end of their movie. Not, not, no killer has survived. Every one of them have been shot to death. Billy took a bullet to the head. He wasn't coming back. Billy's mom got shot all over and then got shot in the head. She's not coming back. Mickey took a, an entire barrel full of, you know, or whatever you want to call it, an entire magazine full of bullets. He wasn't coming back. Jill, got a, she got shot right in the heart. Chances are she's not coming back from that. Uh, Richie... In this movie, Stabbed Richie got stabbed to death, and then he got shot by at least three bullets. There was no way he was coming back. Um, Amber gets, Amber shot, gets shot in the head after she gets shot, and she gets burned. You so think she's dead? And she runs out. She gets shot in the shot, head. He should come back. He is the only one that, if there was any chance of any of these killers surviving, what happened? Their demise. That would have been the one where there's at least a possibility of it. So let me say this to you, though. If, if it wouldn't have been impossible, whereas I, all the other first killers, of all, it's I think impossible. I think it's funny because I'm telling you the TV killed them. But but I mean, I've been on that trip for a long time. But here's the thing to, to end this and not, not take up a ton of time. Here's my thing. Why don't we like uh, I preach this in wrestling all the time for wrestling fans. When we do wrestling shows. Why don't we let something breathe? What if they do bring him back? What if you find out that the, the whole thing is to do a new trilogy and to find out he's the he's the Roman, he's the architect? Maybe, but, but here's the thing: this Why, movie, it's gonna need it necessarily. Here's, didn't need it. Here's where it would have made the most sense. You got all these legacy people getting killed off. Here's where the motive would have come into place. Not only would he have wanted to get revenge on Sydney, but the motive would have been the whole thing. They kept mentioning Billy. Billy did this. Stu was just his patsy following. He was his puppet. They mentioned that in this movie, that Stu was just his lapdog puppet. There, everything was Billy, 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 Billy. If I had done this, you know, Billy wouldn't have done this. You see Billy. You see these delusions of Billy. Everything was Billy, 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 Billy. And on top of that, on top of the target being relatives of the legacy characters and, the, and, and Dewey, you know, the legacy characters themselves, 
You've got one where it comes out and they all find out early on in the movie that the main character is Billy's daughter. This would ah. have been the impactful moment that would have made a better motive. Nah, no, no, no. This is you're making arguments to let this breathe all day. I just want to throw that out there. Now you're selling me on this let it breathe and maybe we should revisit Stu being alive because I like that he didn't come back. Because here's what you do. You set up sequels where now you have to question if Sam's going to become a killer. They did a good maybe. job at the end. And I think that that would be another. They, they did a good job at the end of proving that she could have it in her to be the killer. Right. So now we're going to live in a world where our final girl, our hero, if you will. And they need that twist. That was another right, point right, I was right, going right. to make. Because right, right, they right. need a this has all been there, done that for five movies now. Right, right. They need a big twist right. where either a killer survives or she becomes hear, a killer. Hear me out, though. Hear me out. She is now going to have that question in your head the whole time. So now, unlike Sydney, who we know she's not going to ever be the killer, now our hero could be the killer. So take that first. Secondly, how did they find out that she was Billy Loomis's daughter? She didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew except for those, those things. Jenna Ortega's character, or Tara, doesn't know. So maybe it is an argument that Stu's alive because Stu, whose best buddy is Billy, might know that he had uh, knocked a girl up. And See what I mean? Here's here's lastly. The only thing that I the I argue with that though is the setting. It was his old house. It just would have made sense for them Ready? to be his kids Ready? in that uh, house. We're we're, I, we're playing we're playing the we're playing the game, and I'm I'm pitching why this is a great idea. By the way, and I don't know if they've thought about this or not. Unless they're they great the house back again, right? But they're great writers. It doesn't. The house is irrelevant here. What what if this? What if Stu Mocker took on a different identity? What if Stu? is the father of Tara's character. What if Stu was the dad that walked away? We never saw the dad. They never named the dad. That's so true. So he could, he could have set them out to kill Sam because of his hatred of, of Billy because he didn't want to get his hands sullied right away and also didn't want to come back so his daughter knew until after she was gone and then went, fuck, they failed because I picked I the wrong... I never thought of that, I picked the right. wrong, I picked the wrong people. So in the next movie, because if you're doing a trilogy, which I think they're going to do, if yeah, you're doing a trilogy, are. in the next movie, you could even lean more into it. And they did say that there are big plans. There was a specific reason why they didn't put the girl's mother in this movie. Ah, they said that that is ready? something they're going to come back, but they wanted to develop these characters and not get it muddled by the mother. There you they go. said they've got plans for there the mother. Go. So what but if... You're right. I didn't think about that aspect so of the it. Second movie now you're kind of seeing what I'm saying. So in the second movie now you're questioning whether Sam's the killer or not because it's realistically even if she's not we can question it and it's the next other set of killers and then you find out in the third movie much like you did in Scream Three that there is a back there is a is, there's the black hand over everything and it ends up being Stu who might not be being called Stu because you find out he's Tara's father and the and the father that went away because he was taking care of the kid and once she found out and went off the deep end he's like fuck covers blown because how long is it until she's gonna figure out who I really am. And so be. now it's kind of like I was trying to kill you off, but I guess sometimes you just have to do it yourself. I just feel like there's a missed, uh, a huge missed opportunity here if they don't go down that path. And again, right, there's I my agree. reasoning for it. We've always said there's no way he could survive that. But in theory, of all of the killers throughout five movies, he he's the TV, only one that could have he has survived. He a TV dropped on his face. Good reason for fucking reconstruction surgery and getting a new identity. Yeah. I just want to throw it out there. I'm just saying, I might be with you on this. And you never know. They're they're pretty good at looking into these different things and stories. This could really actually, as you were saying that, I'm like, man, maybe I was saying let it breathe because let, let's see where it goes. But that's where they could be going. And I think that, that I think you'll if that's where they do go, I think you'll appreciate that more than them hot shotting it in if they do. to the I'm but, just saying, but, I think you'll appreciate it more than hot shotting it in to the end of a right. movie. But there just needs to be a better twist than this just Scooby Doo endings anymore. It's been there, it's been done. Every time it's gonna come back to, well, we're making a movie or you know, it, there's there's gotta be some sort of a bigger twist that they haven't done yet. You gotta make Sam or Tara a killer eventually. One of these legacy good guy characters turns out they to might. be evil. What if the twins? 
or the twin. I don't know about that, but maybe. Then you have two. Then you have two. Maybe, yeah. Power of two, baby. Um, I just, just say there needs to be something different that they do Gale with this Weathers. or a killer survives. Gale Weathers becomes a killer. I, I don't, don't want to see Sydney become a killer. That's well, no, the other no, thing. No. But okay. I thought that was going to happen in four. All right, so we're on the warning track in baseball terminology already. So we need to get to this. So we're going to give our ratings, and then we got to get out of here because Mike sees up against the wall. And yeah, uh, he, took it, he took it. He took it to the, to the extreme. So real quick, around the internet, these are the scores that they gave it before we give our scores. IMDb gave Scream 2022 6.6 .6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, it sits at a 76%. Fandango has it at an 81%. And Google users have it at 84%. Uh, since I'm already here, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to give you the boring reasons. I did score this. I kept it the same score that I kept it from before. I gave this a 7.5 out of 10 which makes it the third best film in the franchise right ahead of uh, Scream 4, which I had at a 7, and of course Scream 3, which I have at a 6.5, which is my least favorite uh, for reasons we gave earlier on. So in order, I have uh, Scream 1 at 8.5, Scream 2 at 8. Well, it seems to go by point fives every time. Scream Scream uh, 2022 at 7.5, Scream uh, uh Four yeah. at seven and six and a half for Scream uh, Three, which once again makes it the best franchise in horror because none of them are below none a, of them are bad six. Movies. None of them are bad movies. I just I, I I I would have liked the original script for the original Scream Three better, but because of Columbine, we didn't get that. Right, Mike. See, what did you give this? Um, my score is going to seem a little bit low, but again, I'm going to say it's a very strong six point five because I liked it more the second time I saw it. Um, you know, you know, I'll watch this movie a million times. Every time it ends up on television, I'll watch it. I'll see this movie a million times and I'll probably like it more and more every time. But it's, you know, nitpicky little things that kind of bother me. The final act did bother me because I didn't think about Tara's dad, you know, in that scenario that could be. And I hope that that's the route they go. But I, I, it's, it's a strong six and a half out of ten for me. Sweet. Well, with that being said, let us know what you think on our social medias. We're Horizon 607 on Facebook. Like and share the page. We're Horizon, at Horizon 607 on Twitter. Use the hashtag HD607 whenever talking about us. For all information, including the T-Public Store, Patreon, Twitch, friends of the show, sponsors, all that happy jazz, you know where to find it, 8122productions.com. If you forget any of those, the uh, hyperlinks are in the description to this podcast. With that being said, Mike C, bring these people home for the first time in two months. <laughs> I don't even know how to do this anymore. It's been so long. But we want to thank you for listening and joining the show. Thanks for uh, being patient with us in our time off. It was, you know, me. It's all my fault that it did happen, but safety first. Uh, but we will be back in studio next week. Uh, we were originally going to be also reviewing uh, the new Texas Chainsaw movie this week. Uh, I did say, you know, I had a lot to say about Scream, so we're going to split it up. So next week we'll be reviewing the brand new Texas Chainsaw movie to give our thoughts about that. So until then, for Rich, I'm Spooky Mike saying, see ya.